What's up, everybody? Jay Miller here, bringing another Productivity in Tech podcast. We are back with the second half of my interview with Will Gant. Now, I hope you enjoyed the first half. The second half is just as good. And I'm really excited to share this conversation in particular with you. Mostly in that we talk a lot about the creative process, the creative process for us individually. Now, again, Will is someone that I talk to on a daily basis at this point. I mean, we talk almost every day, um, sharing thoughts, ideas, research, anything that you could think of that could make for better content for both productivity and tech and the Complete Developer Podcast. And you can also connect with Will on a regular basis. Uh, you can talk to him on Twitter, GantSopsis, as well as join his Slack community, or my Slack community for that. And while I don't have a link to his Slack community, I do have one for mine. Just go to productivityintech.com, check out our brand new homepage, and scroll down to the bottom where it says connect and there you'll find a link an invite to our slack community absolutely free and of course if you want to get the full conversation that i have with will in its complete length including the two hour after show you need to become a premium member and you can do that at the same place productivityintech.com click the membership button and sign up Uh, you not only get access to those episodes but you also get a direct line with me I reach out to all of my premium members on a weekly basis just to see how they're doing see how everything's going and you could be one of them so I'm not going to take up your time anymore Let's jump right back into our conversation with Will Gann. Well, I, I do think that there's there's something to say about the ability to do something at a at a pace that is either faster or more efficient than what the the standard or what our expectations are. I mean, I didn't realize how much time it took to edit videos until the first time I had to edit, you know, a course video. And, you know, they talk about editing, editing, just audio. Like if you're editing a a 30 minute podcast, probably it'll take you an hour to edit. If you're like going through each bit of the audio and, and trying to make adjustments and then equalizing everything, getting it leveled out and all that stuff. But the, the thing is over time, you start to find areas that are, you know, that you can cheat on, I guess. There's a there's a video, I'll send it to you. Um, it's from a comic, uh, not, a, not, not, uh, not a comedian, but like someone who actually draws comics. Um, he wrote a book 
Uh, it was like a, a graphic novel that he wanted to write. And it was, it took like 12 years to write it. And he talked about like what he could have done better and how he could have been more productive with his time. And a lot of it was, it was like crazy stuff. It was like, okay, in these 50 pages, every scene or every like panel has a different background and each background was drawn individually and added. I could have copied and pasted the same background again and again for 50 pages and added different content, different style, and it would have sped up the process so much. And, and I think about that because, you know, you're talking about, you know, you're doing all these things, but what are you doing to, I guess, to copy and paste the panels together and, and put out content that's equally as good, but takes less time. Well, like with the book, um, you know, I started out and I outlined, you know, thoroughly um, ahead of time. And, you know, the whole thing got all the pieces kind of lined up where I knew where everything was going to be, what all was going to be there. I mean, I started out with a mind map and then I moved it to an outline. Um, and then what I would do is I would sit down to write and I would have a goal. I'm going to get these sections done and just sit there and just plow through it. And once that was done, I usually had something in the queue that needed to be edited. So like after I finish writing, I know that I'm going to stink at editing for the first pass until I have sat on that content for two weeks. Yeah. So I, I scheduled it like that um, and just kind of, you know, alternated that. Uh, the other thing I did is I realized, hey, you know, I can write reasonably well um, with a little bit of background noise. And so I, you know, I would have uh, YouTube up and just be like playing random stuff, you know, just like, you know, how you just click on something. You're like, okay, I'm going to play this music and I'm going to go. Well, I would do that and just let it go where it went and then work. And then I was like, you know, kind of paying attention to what different styles of music did at different points to me mentally. So like if I'm, if I'm writing, you know, more of either classical or techno does a pretty good job for me, but I was also interested to find that, um, you know, a lot of heavy metal did pretty well for me as well. And I listened to some weird stuff. I mean, like there's some Indian street metal, uh, that I got into, I got on a kick of that for a while. I was listening to, uh, Mongolian death metal at one point and sit here, you know, sipping scotch and writing. And the trick with that stuff was I do think it slowed down the pace of my writing, but it increases sustainability. Um, so instead of just, you know, writing full tilt for an hour, I could go for like four or five. You know, and it wasn't, it wasn't making me as tired. Um, I think that's a lot of it too, is you just got to figure out if you're, if you're having to really kind of do a, a marathon style, like what, what things can you do that change that change your endurance versus what can you do that changes your speed? I, I think that's smart too. Cause that's like, that's like marathon running. Like yeah. you're using the same legs, you know, to get from point A to point B, but because you're trying to last longer, it involves more activation of your core, um, better posture with your back. Like, I mean, being in the military, we had to run a, like the Marine Corps, you have a, a PFT and in part of that is a three mile run. So yep. usually 
the minimum that we ran when we were doing any type of, of like physical training was three miles. That way you knew like, okay, if I do three miles every single day, I can at least do this three mile run. But if I can run, you know, five miles, if I can run six miles, it might take me twice as long, but I know that I can do it. Therefore, when it comes time for the three mile run, it's like, I've already been able to run a six mile, you know, so half of that is nothing. Yeah. Uh, you know, that actually reminds me of uh, some martial arts training that I had because, you know, like normally they'll get people and they'll line up and they'll, they'll bow and then they'll spar. Right. Well, you know, I, I had one teacher that would actually have the person that was across from you just yell profanity at you and scream at you and all this stuff while they're coming in. And what it taught you to do was, is you, you were calm, even if people were just completely losing their minds. And that is a better way to approach it because, you know, if, if it's the worst thing in the world in a dojo, it's probably not going to be as bad on the street. Whereas if it's all calm and relaxed in the dojo, when you get on the street, you don't know what to do. Yeah. And, and even with, um, what was I watching? And it's going to be stupid. <laughs> oh yeah. The world it was like the world rock, paper, scissors championship. Yeah. That's a thing. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> um, but in that they talk about the best rock, paper, scissors players in the world often shout what they're going to play right before they play it. And that's like perfect. Like that's in the rules. It's encouraged or whatever. But they do it to try to psych out their opponent. And, and I think that that's the thing is like we often psych ourselves out by just like trying to verbally assess what we're trying to do. Like you said, yeah. if, if you walked in, you were like, I got to write a whole book. That, that's a pretty big task. But if you say, I mean, what you do, you said, I, I want to write 20 pages. And, you know, even if you look at it, 20 pages, that's, you know, four pages a day, Monday through Friday. That's 20 pages. I can write four pages in a day. I did that in high school all the time, especially like right before the five page paper was due. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> so I know that if I can do that. I just do that. And then in the end, you wind up doing more than you thought you would be able to. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can say that as somebody who has just finished recording their 199th podcast episode, you know, Beach and I recorded that uh, Monday night. Oh, and that's awesome. Yeah. And you think about that, like that is, well, I mean, probably 200, 210, 220 hours of content. Uh, for all those recordings, because we go a little bit over an hour. And plus some of the early ones, we weren't so disciplined on time. And that's insane. I mean, if you told me I had to sit down right now and do that, you can't. Um, but if you go, okay, well, every week I've got this little bit of work I got to do, and I just keep marching along, that's reasonably sustainable. I'm not going to say it's easy because it's it's definitely not, right? It's pushed me. Um, but it's actually survivable. Well, that knowing, like you said, you know, for a fact that if you just wrote, you know, 15 pages worth of stuff, if you go back and immediately try to edit that same 15 pages, it's going to be too fresh. It's not, you're not, your editing isn't going to be that great. Uh, that, that's the exact same reason why we're recording this on a Wednesday. It'll get edited the Monday before the podcast goes out on Tuesday. And I do that for, for that exact reason. That way, when I'm listening to it again, I've almost all but forgotten the conversation. I might remember bits and pieces of it, but 
it gives me the reason to go through it all and and to do a better job and and to hear it with fresh ears. And I, I think that's something that, you know, if we're talking about developers, developers need to do that more, I think. Like, don't don't try to refactor your code right after you just wrote it. <laughs> like, please don't. Um, it, it You will make a mess of things. I've done it. it. I've made a mess of things. But, you know, give give your code time to breathe. Give your brain time to recoup. You know, I, I think putting pause in places that are necessary or that don't seem necessary but just seem convenient or nice, I think that makes for a more productive, uh, to use your phrase, more complete developer. Yeah, it really does. I mean, I, I've i done some really dumb stuff in code. I, you know, Heck, I found some stuff today that I did like three weeks ago. And you know, thankfully did not revisit it until today because I probably wouldn't have seen the problems. And it wasn't anything real bad. It was just like, hey, here's a stored proc that's not, uh, you know, not setting the value of an output parameter. This is going to break some stuff that needs it, you know, further upstream. Um, if I had looked at that again, um, you know, the day I wrote it, I would have never seen that. Um, but when I went back today to do something else to it entirely, I spotted that because I was looking at it with fresh eyes, you know, trying to figure out where to do stuff. And that's extremely valuable. Like when you get to the point where you can go, okay, I'm going to walk away from this thing and come back to it and be essentially a third person. You know, that that's the win. Well, and, and like you said earlier, you know, the, the process is a little bit of, of many different things. It's not just let me create, then edit, then publish, then market, then remarket then remarket then remarket because that's how you actually get people to find your stuff it's let me record this or let me work with someone else to gather show notes to come up with a plan to come up with a topic let's take the time measure that thing out 12 times cut once let it sit then go back and look at it let the people who are you know they're good at going through content, let them go through it so that I can focus on the next thing. I'm sure you don't give your, you know, you, you're not the only one that's editing your, your manuscripts. You're probably giving it to a publisher and they're looking it over and saying, okay, yeah, you use this word 57 times. Uh, let's, let's spread that out a little bit more. Yeah. And I've, I've got a good editor too. And that helps a lot. I, you know, I hit it with a first pass just because I'm like, Hey, let's be nice to the editor. <laughs> You know, because, you know, I know I got a little bit of that hillbilly English in there that sneaks into my writing sometimes. It's like, uh, let's, let's fix that. Um, but then, yeah, you get somebody else to do it. The other thing I, I think a lot of people miss out on with this creative stuff is you don't have to be the person to come up with all the creative ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you, you know, a lot of people treat creativity like hunting, right? I got to go out there. I got to kill this thing and drag it home. And tomorrow I got to go out there and get another one. And, you know, that's, that only works for a little while. And then, I mean, you'll end up with like 10 podcast episodes and then you're stuck. Uh, instead, if you treat it like farming, you say, okay, I'm going to build this idea and we'll get this idea out there. And I'm going to use that idea get, getting in front of other people to get those people's feedback, ask them questions, do market research see where their pain points are, et cetera. All of a sudden now you're growing a pipeline 
for ideas that you don't have to work as hard for. And, and on top of that, I mean, like you said, there's there's something to say about building a minimal vi- uh, a minimum viable product and just saying, like, this is what I want to do. Who's down? And yeah. I mean, that that's something like with comp talks. I, I, I told my, my one of my friends, I was like, I'm not even about to put more effort into this if no one seems interested. But since I see that people are interested and since I have developers that are like, I really want this because I want to know when CFPs are coming up in my area or coming up in my field, I, you know, that sounds, it's like, okay, there's buy-in. There are people who are saying that this is important to me. I'd be willing to invest in it. I'd be willing to put money into it. And at that point you have a market. And, and I mean, even with Pitt, like for me, Pitt is now basically my brand. It's not, it's not a certain thing, you know, it's, and I know if you, if you talk to some of the business or entrepreneur gurus, they'll say, oh, you need to niche down and have a, a clear cut, you know, mission statement to what you're doing. And it's, you know, I agree, but my mission statement is I'm going to do me (laughs) like, I'm going to, I'm going to do stuff because I think it's fun. I'm going to do things because I think it helps people to do them. And I'm going to do them at my pace and at my interval and in my release schedule. And if people don't like it, they don't have to subscribe. If they do like it, then cool. We've had people that have been in the same Slack channel for all three years of Pitt's existence. Even when I wasn't in the Slack channel, they were in the Slack channel. Yeah. And I bet I know who some of them are because they're always on there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, that's the thing is, you know, in the intro to this, I'm going to mention like you're one of the people that I talk to once a week. There's a reason for that. It's because I could send out a newsletter once a week, but in the time that it would take for me to come up with an idea and write an outline and, you know, try to get all that stuff and then do all the promotion for it. That's time taken away from me being able to go back into my Slack community and say, what's up to people like you and people like, you know, Chris and, and Arlene and, and Trey and, and like everybody that's in that group that might just stop in and say hi or stop in and say good morning. Like I can't, I can't do that for the people that have proved since, you know, day one, my day ones that, yo, we don't care about your podcast. There was eight months where the podcast didn't come out. And they were still there. And I I think that's something like people, people talk about how consistency is so important. I think that it is becoming less and less important as long as you are consistently showing up in some way. It doesn't have to be a podcast every single day. It doesn't have to be a YouTube video every Tuesday and Thursday. It can be I'm just going to go into the Slack channel, see what people need, and then start working on the next plan that's going to make a quote-unquote 10x impact. One thing I have started noticing, and it's, I have, I'm hesitant to, to put it in exactly the way that I notice it because it's, it's kind of loaded, but we'll just go with it anyway. Um, most of your sales and your marketing stuff is a seduction. Oh yeah. Right. Of, of another party, right. You're making them, you're getting them to a point where they like you. How would you feel if your wife described you not as, you know, my husband who I love and all this other stuff, but as the guy that keeps on showing up? I mean, 
I don't know. Sometimes they probably like that. <laughs> he may not do the best job, but at least he does the dishes every week. <laughs> yeah. But like, as far as like the, the passion and the, you know, the sense that the other party wants to stick around. Yeah. That ain't it. I, I, and like you said, you know, if, if you get, let's say you get a daisy for your, for your wife every single day, you get one daisy and you give it to them. Eventually the daisy doesn't mean anything. The right. fact that you didn't give them a daisy is is when they're going to be ticked off. But eventually the daisy loses its value. If right. if I say, you know what, I'm going to find a blue rose. And every time I find a blue rose that grew naturally in the wild, I'm going to give it to my wife, no matter how much it costs, no matter how long it took for me to find it. And I'm going to let her know I'm looking for that blue rose. To me, that speaks higher than... Every single week, I'm going to give you a daisy, <laughs> you know? Right. And I, I think that's, that's the problem. That's that's where we're at right now with creatives as a whole. There are so many podcasts out there. I'm t- I, I mean, I love podcasts. I love podcasting. But I'm getting tired of hearing the same thing again and again and again. And I'm tired of people treating it like it's it's brand new. Like, hey, I took this turd, I, I polished it up, and now it's a shiny turd, and it's brand new, so you should invest in it. It's, it's yeah. still a turd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least make a necklace out of it or something, you know? <laughs> like, do something different today. I mean, it is weird how how the voices kind of all get the same. Uh, and, and it's not just our vertical, right? Like, podcasting in general, like, a lot of them really sound the same. Like the salesy marketing type podcasts are kind of the same. The tech podcasts are kind of the same. The, uh, like if you go to a, a recipe website, right? Like I've got one here for like a lime and cilantro chicken. It's that like sounds a, amazing. Like, I'm going to need you to share that. Uh, it, it's like a dump meal. It's like one of those paleo dump meals. So you like put the, you put the chicken in the bag, you put the, the lime juice in the bag and the cilantro and a bunch of other stuff. And you zip it up and you freeze it. And then when you want to cook it, you know, you defrost it, you dump it in the pressure cooker and you, you go. Right. Hmm. So it's like 25 minutes to cook and then you've got it. Um, and so it, like you can make like 30 of those with like a Costco run and you just put them in the freezer. And then when you need one, you, you pull it out. Right. They have these narratives at the beginning of these things for SEO purposes, you know, all the marketing stuff. And it's like this gets more attention from Google. I get it. But it does not deliver the value to me going there without going through a bunch of crap. Uh And that's where creatives are everywhere right now. Well, it's it's you remember in the, the late nineties, early aughts when, you know, boy bands were a thing. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's, it's this, this, this weird factory sound of, we know what we can do to get clicks. We know what we can do to get eyes. We don't necessarily care about the substance of those eyes. We don't care about the value that we're bringing to those people. I mean, if you look at what uh, what many of the the hustle culture is telling you. Oh, Lord, here, yes, the here, hustle porn. <laughs> here, here are three simple tricks that Fortune 500 CEOs do to, to become a Fortune 500 CEO. One, cocaine. 
<laughs> bad family life so that they don't have to, they don't want to go home <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, but that's Three, the thing it's like secretary okay we got it <laughs> okay so how do we word that uh wake up early uh <laughs> don't don't check your email first thing in the morning and uh always show up <laughs> you know be consistent and for steps four and five buy my book yeah. And, and that's the thing is because in your mind, you're like, okay, you just said the exact same thing that I've heard 40 times, but you said it in a British accent or you said, oh, well, Jeff Bezos does this. And now it's, it's this, oh, well, I guess it's so much more important. It's like when your parents told you not to do something and you're like, yeah, you know, whatever. But then when like somebody you looked up to is like, yo, don't do drugs, kid. And you're like, oh yeah, no, tobacco is whack. <laughs> you know, you yeah. can't. Like it, it completely changes how you see that content. And and there is something to say about doing things in a way that's unique to you, even if it's already been done before. But that doesn't mean that you need to regurgitate content. Yeah. And the other thing is, is how many of these people will say that something is complete crap? It's like an industry standard, you know, like how many of those people will rock the boat on that? Good point. Yeah, I mean, like, okay, in tech, for instance, right now, you know, in, in software development, if you jump out there and you say an object relational mapper is not the bee's knees in all situations, people will give you like the worst dirty looks, even though they know better. And there's lots of stuff like that in tech. I mean, they, there is very much a echo chamber in certain areas and like every every stack and every platform has got it too mm -hmm. and not just that every every productivity or project system like some of my best coaching clients use scrum or like their shops use scrum to me if scrum isn't implemented correctly it can be toxic yes. to your company it absolutely is it will make people burn out faster. It will make them quit. It will make them give up on programming as a whole because you're, and it's the same thing with agile. It's if you just start building things just to, to follow some platform, it doesn't, it's, it's not supposed to work that way. It was, it wasn't designed to work that way, but that's the problem is like YouTube wasn't designed to become an ad haven for 1% of 1% to make 10 million dollars it was designed for people to be able to share videos yeah and people get away from that because now the idea isn't oh i can share photos with my friends on instagram it is if i take a picture of my lemon pepper chicken perfectly i might get you know an ad spot from you know i don't know doordash you know and, and it, it's this weird dichotomy of everything has to have some inherent value to it and if it doesn't therefore it's invalidated and, and that's something that I, I struggle with because i'm always trying to do things as a business owner that's like this will this will move my business forward but the thing that i've learned is there is something to say about not doing a thing because it'll move the business forward but doing a thing because it'll move the business forward and it pertains to the voice or the atmosphere that I'm trying to create in my business.
Yeah. Or it just makes my life better. I mean, I, I read a hacker news thread where some dude was going off about this and he was just like, look, I can't have hobbies anymore. And it's like, I pick up a new hobby and I feel like I have to figure out how to monetize it. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know, like, you know, for instance, I'm, I'm learning Russian. Right. And I totally started that for the heck of it. And I think it will be valuable for me. I think I could totally turn it into something valuable. It's like, Hey, look, there's 140 million people across 10 time zones. I'm sure something will work. Um, but like, I'm not approaching that from that angle. And I've been able to, you know, I practice an hour or more a day. Um, and it's sustainable. Like I can actually learn how to speak Russian. I can have conversations. I still have a little trouble with verbs of motion and some other things, but you know, um, it's not painful. It's sustainable. And I'm getting to something that I want, even if I'm not entirely sure what the end goal is. And I'm not looking at it going, here's how I monetize this. And it, it's like the, the monetization strategy needs to be there because it's not sustainable. You know, th- a lot of things are not sustainable without one. Like, you know, podcasting is very hard to sustain over long periods of time when it's not doing anything for you monetarily. But on the other hand, it's really easy if you're you know, monetizing and that's your main focus. It's very easy to just completely ruin the podcast or ruin the book or ruin mm-hmm. whatever else you're doing for other people. Well, that said, I wish more people would look at like the reason the reason we brought Pitt. I, well, I brought Pitt back because more than anything, I miss doing it, but I miss doing it my way. Like I, I tell people one of my favorite I don't know if it, I can't remember if it was a post or a newsletter, you know, that I sent out was I had a Facebook community of almost 2000 people that I gave away. And the people that are in charge of it now have Facebook groups and YouTube channels and all this other stuff that are in the tens of thousands. And I gave it away. Because I didn't, I didn't like the direction that it was taking. Yeah. And in my mind, it was like, if I wanted to make something that would have made me more money, I would have just stayed with that. I would have done that thing, but I wouldn't have learned how to write code. I wouldn't have learned how to um, edit a podcast, you know, or, or do video or audio editing like I do now. And I don't regret that at all. I gave up almost 1,900 some odd people for four people in a Slack channel. And that was the best decision that I ever made. Yep. And sometimes that's the way it is. Because those those four people have invested more into Pitt as a business. One of my first coaching clients was one of those four people. One of my first Pit Premium members was, was like all of those people, actually. Some of the people who retweet the podcast every single week, day in and day out. The people who give me feedback, who give me, you know, comments and, and tell me whether or not they can tell if I was sick, you know, compared to how I usually sound. The ones that tell me to take a break. The ones that'll come in at the last second when I need a, a, you know, emergency interview done. Those people are the people that I want to build a business around. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, there's, there's like a problem of scale that we look at stuff, you know, and 
Right. Human beings are inherently tribal. We're not inherently metropolitan or national. Like we have our little group around us and that's really all most of us need. Um, you know, if you have, uh, you know, there, there's like a uh, sales and marketing thing called uh, 30 by 500. Mm-hmm. If I can get 30 bucks a month from 500 people, um, I'm okay. Like that's not a real hard number. It's a pretty small you know, number of people. And, you know, looking at that kind of stuff instead of going, okay, I have to make something that's going to be this, you know, I got to be the top podcast in tech. You know, I want to have a half million downloads every time I drop an episode, right? Well, do I need those? And and what am I going to give up to make that happen? And, you know, sometimes the price of that is really just not worth pursuing, you know, like, uh, you know, again, going back to the, I, I swear it, it like matches with the, with the whole dating thing, right? Like a lot of times you are a lot better off once you figure out what you don't want. Yep. Instead of, I want everything that walks by. It's like, nah, you really don't. And, and once you get to a point where you can look at a lot of things in that same way and just go, hey, that I, I don't need that. That adds stuff to my life I don't want and just let it walk on. And, it, you know, business, it's life. It's, you know, what you use in you know terms of like you know, how you use your time. You know, like I, I lift weights. I don't run. Um, it's just not my jam. You know, I don't, I don't ride a bike. I don't swim. Like I have the thing I do and I do that and I do it well and I enjoy it instead of going, Oh, I've got to be the the master of all these other things. It's like, why there's a, there's a sense of discontentment in a lot of the hustle porn and a lot of the business podcast stuff that is just unbelievably destructive. And you can make a lot of money selling that hustle porn, but you can't, make any money watching it i wonder if people who who watch that content realize that the people who are making that content that is their job right that is that it's not like i'll give dave ramsey his credit like yeah he became debt free after being a bunch of money in debt blah 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 Dave Ramsey is not the person who is working one-on-one with people who are neck deep in debt and barely making it work. He is selling courses. He is selling courses that say, do the exact same thing that I've been saying do for the past 15 years. That's worked for thousands of people at this point. He, his podcast that's what it is. And yeah. he knows that if he if he talks about it enough, he knows that if he gives enough copies away for free, he knows that if he has enough people that were the 1% of the 1%, not to say that you shouldn't strive for, you know, being debt free or whatever, but if he has the the success stories come on and, and talk about how they did his thing and it worked and totally paid off, he's going to have a bunch of people Regardless of whether or not they need that product, they're going to invest in it. It's probably going to sit on the shelf and it's never going to get used. I I like what uh, D. Snyder said. He said, if you don't like my music, and this was back in the day before the ESRB and and all that stuff where they did the parental advisory stickers. 
He said, if you don't like my music, buy a hundred albums of my music and burn them. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll be just as happy. Yep. <laughs> you know, and, and that's the thing is the a lot of the people who are making this content, they don't care. They're, they're making the thing that people want to hear because they know that if they have enough people hearing about it, they can sell a mattress to somebody and make money off of that. Right. Whereas there's a select few people out there who are making, and I think this is how people start. They're making content because they genuinely believe in the content that's being made. They realize that it's not sustainable because people aren't willing to help out and invest in those projects because they're not telling people exactly what they want to hear or what they're expecting to hear. And in an effort to continue to do what they're doing, they compromise. And once they compromise, they realize, Oh wow, that was easier. Let me just start doing that. Yeah. And then eventually they forget why they started doing that thing in the first place. Well, and that's how they all end up the same, right? Because they're getting the stats from the same place. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're going, oh, I can do this. I can, you know, top 10 reasons why, you know, why your favorite potato says something about your life. And they, they crank out junk. They get a lot of attention. It's low value attention, right? You can't scale that up into people that are paying $300 for a course, but you can get CPM rates off of them mm-hmm. and you can crank out the content. You can send it, you know, you can have the content produced overseas. You can. You know, there's a lot of stuff you could do. There's a lot of levers for the scale, but you know, you get to the end and you've got something that's really not all that valuable. And I think the other thing too, that people forget is like, every time you see somebody selling a book about how to, especially how to make more money, you got to look and go, okay, what, how does this guy make his money? Does he make his money by making money in the way that he says in the book, or does he make his money by telling other people how to make money? And it almost is never the first thing because if he was doing what was in the book, he wouldn't have time to write the book. Right. Or the people who struggled to make money for 15 years finally got traction. Now they're talking about how they made money, but what you don't see is the 15 years of them not making money. (laughs) Yeah. And learning all the lessons the hard way because a lot of this stuff, you know, like, you don't have a heuristic to go, okay, this is a good idea. Or this is a bad idea. Like you just have experience. Yep. Got your gut. Yeah. And you sit there and you look at a situation and you go, this makes me feel like I just drank vinegar. My stomach feels weird looking at this situation. I don't know what it is, but I'm not going to go. And until you've you know, basically been in a situation that's bad like that because you didn't plan ahead, you don't have all that knowledge. I mean, just little, little stuff that you don't even think about that you don't evaluate when you're, you're doing stuff like you're, you're writing or you're building content or you're talking to an audience or you're, you're doing a podcast episode. You don't have decision-making capability throughout the entire process. You make big decisions and the little decisions are things that you don't know you made until they became important. Right, right. Well, hey, man, we've been at this for an hour now. I think it's time to to wrap up the main show and cut into the after show. You ready for that? Yeah, let's do that. Before we do that, let everybody know how they can get in touch with you, how they can connect with uh, all the stuff that you're doing, whether it's your personal stuff or complete developer. 
Uh, well, the easiest way probably is through the podcast. You know, that's uh, completedeveloperpodcast.com. Uh, you can get a hold of me on Twitter. Um, I'm GantSoftSys. Uh, that was my business that I had years ago, and the Twitter account still has followers, so I keep it. Um, I guess that's probably the best way. Hey, I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Will. I know I absolutely did. Again, this is just a continuation of the things that we talk about almost on a daily basis. So if you want to jump in and ask questions to either me or Will or anyone else in the PIC community, go to productivityintech.com, scroll down to the bottom of that homepage, hit that connect button, join our Slack community, and you will not regret it. We've got some of the nicest, friendliest people in there, and I love talking with them each and every day. Special thanks to Nadiro Mawale for the use of his song, A Hustler in Spite of Myself, for the intro and outro music. And I'd love to know what you thought about this episode or the episode before, or episode one, or any of the episodes. And you can let me know on Twitter. I'm at KJAY Miller. And of course, you should definitely follow Productivity in Tech at prod underscore in underscore tech. That's going to do it for this week. I am looking forward to next week's conversation. Not to spoil it, but it's going to be a fun one. Someone that I've been trying to talk to for a couple of years now. So I'm going to leave it at that for the Productivity in Tech podcast. I'm Jay Miller. I hope we've been productive. I'll talk to you later.